We praise the Lord and Pastor Michael Jakes, and welcome to the Line by Line podcast here once again with a Bible study for your soul. As always, we are streaming right now live over Facebook, YouTube, and Spreaker.com. Tonight, we are continuing in our study of the book of Matthew, and as we do it here, we go one verse at a time, amen, and we pray that you'll be able to stay with us uh, as we continue in Matthew chapter number 15. We may even get into chapter number 16, but we shall see. As we always say here, we are not in any rush. Amen. So grab your smart uh, device and grab your Bible and get ready for another, may I say, spectacular <laughs> and powerful uh, Bible study. Amen. We'll be right back with the word of God and a word of prayer right after this. here with us tonight. Tonight, as we said, we are continuing here in the book of Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter number 15, and uh, we're going to see right at the top that Jesus is going to do it again. Amen? But let's start with a word of prayer. Lord, we bless your name tonight. We thank you once again for giving us this opportunity, Lord, to open up your word. Lord, it is an opportunity that we do not take lightly. Uh, Lord, we pray that you will be with us as we open up your word, Lord Jesus. Lord, we pray that uh, we will do no violence uh, to your word. Lord, have your way. Bless those who will be with us uh, in this study. Lord, I pray you will encourage, uh, that you will empower, that you will enlighten. Lord, that you will just give us what we need as we open up your word. So, Lord, have your way. Draw us all together here in one accord. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. We bless the name of the Lord and we just thank him uh, for who he is and what he is doing. God bless you, Tracy T. God bless you, Erigna. Amen. Thank you for joining us uh, here uh, in the study. Well, we want to begin in Matthew chapter number 15 and we're going to begin in verse number 29. Amen. Verse number 29. And if you can, uh, stay with us to the end tonight. We're going to have a uh, sort of a sort of a special announcement about tomorrow night, just what tomorrow night is going to be all about. Amen. Matthew chapter number 15, starting in verse number 29. It says, And Jesus departed from thence, and came nigh unto the sea of Galilee, and went up into a mountain, and sat down there. We see that this is... Uh, something that Jesus uh, does on a regular basis. He, he goes up into the mountain and he sits there. And, and when he does this, people follow him. Remember that Jesus had literally had an entourage. He had a group of people, more than a group. Uh, he had a multitude of people that literally followed him around wherever he went. Amen. And here we see that he goes up into the Sea of Galilee. Now, uh, goes up into, under the Sea of Galilee and sits down, uh, in uh, inside of a mountain here uh it's important to note here 
that he is still uh, in the vicinity of Gentiles. He is in Gentile territory. And what he is about to do, uh, we need to remember where he is as he does it. Uh, verse number 30. And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Now, here's what is here's what's uh, so very uh, powerful about this. It says that everyone, everyone who came to him in whatever condition they were, and that is signified here by it says, and many others. That's not talking about many other people. That's talking about many other conditions, many other illnesses, diseases, infirmities. Uh, he healed them all. They came, they brought people. People brought their sick to Jesus and cast them and laid them down at his feet. Uh, being at the feet of Jesus is truly a, a special place to be. As we have coined, uh, it is the greatest place on earth. But here, the people bring the sick and infirm to Jesus, lay them down right in front of him, and he healed them. It did not matter what the problem was, what the physical ailment was. It did not matter. Jesus healed them all. And Jesus still heals. Listen, there are some within the Christian community and other denominations, uh, if I can use that phrase, denominations, that actually I've heard them say so. Great men of God, men that I have read after, men that I have listened to and watched, uh, there are individuals that believe that God no longer does the miraculous. And this boggles my mind, that God no longer operates in the miraculous. In other words, he doesn't do miracles anymore. He doesn't heal people in the way that uh, we see healings in the first century. He doesn't do that anymore. When the canon of scripture was closed, there also closed the miraculous. No, no. God still performs miracles. Oh yes, we have a miracle working God. God is still in the miracle working business, if I can use that phrase. God's, you cannot shut down the power of God. Amen? When his people come to him in faith, and as long as it is within the framework of his will, God will do the impossible. God will do the impossible. We must never, must never underestimate the power of God. Amen? Verse number 31. Insomuch that the multitude wondered. They were amazed at what Jesus did and what Jesus was doing. When they saw the dumb speak. In other words, dumb means mute. They were unable to speak. But now Jesus heals them. The one that couldn't speak is now speaking. The maimed. The ones that had maybe body parts missing or, or they were injured terribly, they are now whole. The lame, they are now walking. They couldn't walk before and now they're walking. And the blind to see. And they glorified the God of Israel. Once again, take into account, these are Gentiles. These are not Jews. He is in Gentile territory. And I believe that here in these four verses, these three verses, that God is giving us a, a precursor 
He, he's, he's giving the Jews, he, he's giving the Gentiles a, a tease, a, a precursor as to what eventually he would be and what he would do to the Gentiles. Once again, Jesus came unto his own and his own did not receive him. We read that in the book of John in the first chapter, uh, but we also read in the book of Acts uh, where Paul shook the dust off of his feet and said, since you deem yourself uh, unworthy of eternal life talking to the Jews, we now henceforth go to the Gentiles. And that is where the gospel began to go full force to the Gentiles. And what we see here, once again, is just uh, one of the opening acts, if I can use that word, uh, one of the opening acts of Jesus and his power to not just the Jews, but to the Gentiles. This is what was to come. Amen. Verse number 32. And Jesus called the disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I will not send them away fasting lest they faint in the way. Once again, we see that Jesus had compassion. I believe that Jesus' compassion is one of the, one of his characteristics uh, while he was here on earth and still has that that drove him. He he says here that he could not bear he he could not see them being in need that he wanted to give them something for what for for being with him. In other words, he wanted to supply their need. He did not want to see them in this way, we see his compassion, chapter 14 and verse number 14. We see his compassion, chapter 12 and verse uh, and verse number 9, rather, chapter 9 and verse number 36. Jesus shows compassion, and he still has compassion for his people. Verse number 33, and his disciples say unto him, whence should we have so much bread in the wilderness as to fill so great a multitude? Where are we going to get food to feed this many people? My question is, even before I read what's coming up, my question is, when I read this, have they forgotten? Have they forgotten what happened? Scripture is not clear as to how recent he fed 5,000. It's in the previous chapter. It could have been the day before. It could have been the week before. It could have been the month before. Uh, it, it, it's not really clear, but it's within the same time frame that Jesus just fed 5,000. And they're asking him, how are we going to feed this many people? They saw what he did before. We are a people, you and I, are a people who forget. We forget. We forget his goodness. We forget his power. Uh, we forget his, we forget that he is able to protect us. We forget the mighty attributes of God when we find ourselves in a difficult situation. Because our minds immediately go to, oh Lord, how is this going to happen? How is this going to work out? How am I going to get out of this? Where is the money going to come from? Where, how am I going to, we, we immediately go into the quote negative. And we don't remember what he has already done for us. We don't remember who he is and what he has done. We forget. We forget and we go into panic mode. Many of us, many of us go into panic mode easily. 
What's going on? What's going on? How? Remember, don't forget. And that's what the disciples were guilty of. Verse number 34. And Jesus saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? How much bread do you have? And they said, Seven and a few little fish. Now before, you know the story, just in the previous chapter, there were five loaves and two fish. Five loaves and two fish. Here we see seven loaves and a few fish. We don't know how many. And a few fish. And he commanded, I, I love this verse when I read it, and he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. Now, when we see that word command, it's talking about the authority that he had. It's not talking about that Jesus got up and said, hey, everybody, sit down. That's not, that's not what's being brought out here. The fact that he had the authority to speak and people listened. Now, we know there was a lot of people, and I'm sure uh, he, had, he had to gesture to the people to sit down, and I'm sure the disciples may have had a part in playing and making sure all the people sat down. It doesn't say all of that. I don't want to read anything into it. But Jesus didn't need to shout and yell. Just his very presence commanded authority. Sit. And they sat. And that's the kind of, that's the kind of authority that he has in turn given us in him. We have his authority in, in him, not in ourselves, not at all. But we have authority over things that would come against us. We have been given that authority. Amen. It says here that he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took, verse number 36, and he took the seven loaves and the fish fishes and gave thanks and break them and gave to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. Here we see what I'm going to call a divine protocol. A divine protocol. What do I mean by that? Jesus has, he gives to his servants and then his servants, in turn, give what they were given out to the multitude. The divine protocol. God has given us a word. God has given us a word. God has given us a gift. God has given us a call. And we are to take what he has given us, and now we are to serve. Give out what the Lord has given us. That's what we see taking place here. It's a divine protocol. It all comes from him. He is the giver. He is the giver of, of, the, uh, of the gift. He is the giver of the call. He is the giver. And we are to take what we receive and then give it out to those who are in need. Amen. Who are waiting for us to operate in the gift or the calling that he has given us. That is what we are supposed to do. That divine protocol. It says here in verse number 37, and they did all eat and were filled. And they took up of the broken meat, talk about the bread and the fish that was left, seven baskets full. Love that number seven. The Bible loves that number seven also. Seven. Here previously it was 12. That's another, that's another good biblical number. 
12. So when these when he fed the 5,000, there were 12 baskets of leftovers. Here, when he feeds this multitude, there are seven uh, baskets of leftovers. It just kept coming. He kept breaking, they kept breaking, and it kept flowing. He is the he, he is the reservoir. He is the reservoir. And as long as we continue to rely upon him, what we give him, he will multiply. He will multiply. He giveth and he giveth and he giveth again. That's what the Lord does. But once again, we must rely solely, completely on him and him alone. Period. Amen. And they did eat. And they that did eat were 4,000 men beside women and children. Previously, it was 5,000 besides the men and the women. We estimate anywhere from G. <laughs> it could have been 10,000. Here, the same. Could have been anywhere from, from eight to 10,000 people here. 4,000 people. Talking about the men. And, and their families, all fed with seven loaves of bread and a few little fish. It says here, and a few, and a few little fish. Scripture makes it very clear that these were seven little fish. Not big ones, little fish. Amen. And he sent away the multitude and took ship. And came into the coasts of Magdala. And so now he sends them all away. And now Jesus is going to continue on with his ministry. But once again, two powerful uh, things happen in verse four, chapter 14, chapter 15. He feeds 5,000 Jews and he feeds 4,000 Gentiles. He's letting all know that he... He came for his own, yes, but look, Gentiles, look what's coming. Look what he did. Look what he can do. Watch him. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen. Chapter number 16. Let's jump into chapter number 16. Amen. Chapter number 16 is going to open up as several of the chapters that we have read also. It's going to open up with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Anytime you see the Pharisees and the Sadducees in the presence of Jesus, you know that there is going to be some trouble. Because all they were about as it pertained to Jesus was trouble. And here they come again. It says in verse chapter number 16, Matthew 16, verse number 1. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees. Now that's very that's a very striking statement. The Pharisees and the Sadducees did not like one another. They, they did not get along. I guess the way that we could describe it, even though these were not strictly political groups, groups not really, but you could say Democrat-Republican. In, in our country here, Democrat-Republican have two totally uh, different viewpoints on everything. They don't really get along. Uh, they have totally different platforms. And here, the Pharisees and the Sadducees also, they had totally opposite beliefs from one another. Uh, the Pharisees believed in the supernatural. The Sadducees did not believe in resurrection and all those types of things. So so they're very diametrically opposed to one another. 
But for the sake of Jesus, the Pharisees and the Sadducees came together because they both wanted Jesus out of the proverbial picture. And so the Pharisees also with the, with the Sadducees and with and, and tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. Tempting. It was, it was a trap. They wanted him to do something that would somehow incriminate him. They wanted Jesus to incriminate himself. And so they come with bad intentions. Once again, they got their, they got their wicked forces together. Let's do something. We, we, we need to stop this man, Jesus. And they desired that he would show them a sign from heaven. I'm sure they came to him looking and sounding very interested and, and show us, show us a sign. Show us a sign, Lord. He answered, Jesus answered and said unto them, when it is evening, evening, you say, it will be fair weather. For the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today. For the sky is red and lowering. O ye hypocrites. Once again, he calls them out. Jesus, the meek and mild son of God. He calls them out. He calls them what they were. You hypocrites. You're wearing a mask. You're coming to me uh, uh, acting as if you are uh, holy and, and you, you want to come off as if that uh, you are interested in anything that I have to say. You are a hypocrite. He says, you can discern. You can tell the difference. You can discern the face of the sky. But can ye not discern the signs of the times? Jesus, I mean, Jesus just digs right in. You can look up in the sky and you can tell what's going to happen by looking at the clouds. But you can't look around and look at the condition of, 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 of the world that we presently live in, that they were presently living in. And you cannot tell the signs of the times. A wicked, he goes on in verse number four. A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall be no sign given unto it. He spoke to them already on this. He spoke to them back in chapter number 12. Chapter number 12. Let's go back there for a moment. Chapter number 12. Matthew chapter number 12. And let's start reading in verse... Uh, number 39, Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse number 39. Chapter 12, let me get to chapter 12. It says, but he answered and said, because they asked for a sign again. This is the, this is the second time. This is the second time that they've asked for a sign. Uh, God bless you, my brother, my heart. God bless you. This is the second time that they've asked for a sign. It says, and certain of the scribes, I'm in Matthew uh, chapter uh, 12 and verse number 38. Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. And he tells them there will be no sign given unto you. Going back uh, to Matthew 16, no sign given unto you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he drops it. You could say there was a mic drop right there. He gives them the sign of the, he says, no, no sign will be given to you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. 
Boom. That's it. And he left them <laughs> and departed. He, he just, he just le he leaves the, the Pharisees and Sadducees who hated him. He leaves them standing there. He just walks away after he makes this statement with no clarification, which he had already given them previously. Verse number five. And when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That is a warning. Of course, it's a warning to them, but it is also a warning to us. It is a warning to us. Verse number seven. They reasoned among themselves saying, it is because we have taken no bread. They surmised among themselves uh, there was a reason why Jesus was talking about bread because we forgot to bring our bread with us from where we were. Uh, we, we forgot. That's why Jesus talked to us about bread. Which when Jesus perceived, see the Holy Ghost spoke let, and, and let him know exactly what was going on uh, with them. And said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves because ye have brought no bread? Why are you talking amongst yourself talking about the fact that you have no, no bread? Do ye not yet understand, verse number 9, neither remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets ye took up? Neither the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many baskets ye took up. He's asking them to remember this. This did not happen in a vacuum and it just happened recently. Verse number 11. How is it that ye do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread, that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Why didn't you understand? Why, why didn't they understand? You see, the disciples, the disciples were not yet, they were not yet grounded. They were not yet uh, schooled. Uh, they, they were not yet filled, filled with the Holy Ghost. And, and they just had no understanding and no perception of many of the things that Jesus spoke. Remember the parables. Jesus had to take them to the side and, and, and explain uh, the parables to them so that they would have an understanding. But after he spoke, after he made this statement, verse number 12, then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread. Wasn't talking about physical bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The doctrine, the teaching, the words of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You see, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were attached, especially the Pharisees, were attached to the law. They were attached to the law. Keep the law. They had they added fence laws. We must keep the law. Law, 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 law. More law. That's what they were all about. Uh, the Pharisees added laws over a period of time, over a period of years. The Pharisees were responsible for adding laws to the law that already existed. Uh, and once again, they were called fence laws because the laws that they created to keep uh, themselves and others from breaking the law would sort of build a fence around the law of God. And so they call them fence laws. But he says, beware 
of the doctrine, the teaching, the ways of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Okay? Be very careful. They're going to lead you in a wrong direction. They're going to lead you in a wrong direction. Be very, very careful. There are many pharisaical words, if I can use that phrase, many pharisaical words uh, that surround us today that tell us to go back into law, that tell us to follow law, that tell us that we need to keep law and, and we need to be very careful not to get ourselves caught up and bound uh, by law, amen? We are now living under grace. We are no longer under law. And so we need to be very, very careful that we are very aware of the leaven, the leaven of the Pharisees, okay? That which will tell you to go back and do and do and do when it all has already been done and done and done. We need to be very, very careful. And it's very easy to do. It's very easy for us to get caught up in in law keeping. It's easy. It's easy. And we've all probably come out of some form of keeping laws and I'm going to do more. We try to do more to compensate for the things that we have done. We we try it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Our our faith ought to be should be must be <laughs> locked in to Christ and his finished work. Once again, we are living under grace. We are no longer under law. That's so important to understand. Verse number 13, and we see one of the most powerful uh, words of confession that we see uh, in scripture when we read uh, this next portion of scripture. I'm reading from Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 13. It says, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? Remember, Jesus had this great group of people uh, that followed him. Before he chose his 12 disciples, he had, he, had a, he had a small entourage and he separated them out. He separated them out and he chose these 12 men. But he said, listen, who do men, who do people say that I, the son of man, am? The Son of Man was Jesus' favorite reference to himself. It, it spoke of his humanity. Verse number 14. And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist. Some, Elias. That's talking about Elijah. And others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, And this question, this is one of the questions of the ages that all of us, have to answer. But whom say ye that I am? Who do you say that I am? The other question of the ages is the question that Herod uh, asked the crowd when Jesus stood there and the people said, crucify him, crucify him. Uh, before the, the people said, crucify him and, 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 and Herod held Jesus up and said, what shall I then do with Jesus? It is a question very much like this. Who do men say that I am? What shall I then do with Jesus? Two powerful questions that each one of us has to answer. Amen. What have we done with Jesus? And who is he? Amen. Verse number 16. And Simon Peter answered and said 
Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Christ, the Messiah. You are. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonas, Simon, son of Jonas, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Nobody told you about this. Nobody came up to you. You didn't have this conversation. Nobody told you this, but my Father which is in heaven. Verse 18. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. Now here, here we have, here we have in verse number 18, a very, very, I think unnecessarily so, but yet it is a very, very controversial portion of scripture here in verse number 18, where Jesus says that thou art Peter and upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Mm. Now, what's the controversy though? Here, those who are of the Catholic ilk uh, have come to the conclusion over these years that Jesus was now laying the foundation of the church upon Peter because he calls Peter the rock. And he says, upon this rock, I will build my church. But is that what Jesus was saying? Is that what Jesus was saying when he does this? You see, it's almost, it is a, a, a play on words, uh, so to speak. Jesus calls him Peter. The word Peter does mean rock. But he says, upon this rock, but he uses two different words. Peter, the name Peter, uh, it, it's, it signifies a small, a piece of a rock. You've all heard of the, the commercial, own a piece of the rock. This is, this is a, the word Peter, the name Peter is, is talking about a, a piece of a rock. Just, just a piece, a, a small portion of a rock. And upon this rock, that word rock is a different word from the word rock that Peter is in the original language. That word rock, the second word rock, is talking about a large mass. You've heard of the rock of Gibraltar. It is a large mass. And if we could use the rock of Gibraltar as an illustration, the second rock is talking about the rock of Gibraltar. Peter is just a tip a chip of the rock of Gibraltar. In other words, what Jesus is saying here when he says he will build his church upon the rock, he's talking about he will build his church. Now, there's the, once again, there's a little a bit of contention. Upon himself, as Jesus is the rock, or upon the statement, upon the statement that uh, he says, the statement that uh, Jesus, uh, you, that, uh, the statement concerning Jesus upon uh, that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That is more than likely, this is how I've taught it. it. It could be talking about Jesus himself, but either way you put it, it's talking about the same thing. The rock that the church is built upon is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Listen, if you get the foundation wrong, if, you, if the foundation is cracked, if the foundation is faulty, then everything that's built upon it is going to be 
it's it, it, it's going to be twisted. It's at some point it's it, it's going to bend. It, it it's going to give. That's why the foundation has to be Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That that's what it needs to be. That is that is the foundation of foundations. All other doctrines are built upon this particular foundation. And so when you don't have Jesus right, everything else it, it's going to be a little skewered. It's going to be a little off. It's going to be a little off. I've seen this. I've seen this happen in in different churches. I've seen it happen with different people. When they don't have Jesus right, and not that we have this great understanding of who Jesus is, but when you don't understand who Jesus is and what he has done, when you don't have a proper, let's say, a proper uh, understanding of the cross and everything else has the potential to get a little funny. That's how people get into different things and different uh, uh, viewpoints and, and, and different fake views. That That's how it happens because somehow they got Jesus wrong. Jesus uh, is wrong in, in their understanding of who he is. Amen. And once again, I want to read 18 because it's so powerful that thou art Peter and upon this rock, this rock of truth, <laughs> this rock of ages, however you want to put it, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it we are not i am not you are not building the church we we got he uses us he more, he more definitely uses us but he is the builder of his church his church he will build it and in spite of in spite of false doctrine which is prevalent, in spite of false teaching, false teachers, in spite of doctrines of devils, uh, in spite of all of these things, he is still building his church. May I make a statement that I believe that people are getting saved every day. I heard a statement recently that said that people, uh, there are less people being saved. I, I, I believe that there are probably less people being saved, but that's because the gospel is not being preached as it should. That's why less people are being saved, but yet and still, he is building his church, and he will continue to build his church. He has a remnant. God has a remnant, and that remnant preaches, teaches uh, the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. No false teaching, false doctrine, false teacher, none of that will stop the progress of the church. Amen. The church marches on. An old song we used to sing from back in the day. I'm I'm an old school. An old song we used to sing says, "Let the church be the church. Let the people rejoice. For we've settled the question. We've made our choice. Let the anthems ring out. Songs of victory swell. For the church triumphant is alive and well." And so yes, Though different things may come and try to, uh, the enemy will come with his darts and, and try to stop uh, the church. And, and though false teaching will come and try to uh, uh, bring down the church. And, and though some come with doctrines that try to water down the gospel, his church will march on. Because God has his remnant and God will build his church at all times. Amen. Verse number 19. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. 
And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth, earth shall be loosed in heaven. So, so very powerful. So powerful. The keys of the kingdom. We see that Peter, uh, later on, uh, after Christ's ministry was over, we see that Peter begins to take uh, the lead uh, in the church. Uh, at least, as we see in the book of Acts, in the first part of the book of Acts, until Paul the apostle uh, comes along. And, and we, we don't read too much more about the apostle Peter after that, except we do read uh, uh, his two letters. Uh, but Peter, Peter was given, Peter was given uh, a call, and that call would begin to take place, would begin to take place once uh, Jesus' ministry uh, was concluded here on earth in the flesh. Jesus' ministry continues. It still continues today. He's just not presently, physically with us. Amen. Verse number 20, then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. There's a reason for this. You see, Jesus had an entourage. He had all of these people. He had a lot of hangers on that were just hanging around him to see what he would uh, do next. Jesus was looking for authenticity. Jesus was looking for people who really did want him. And he knew who, he knew who they were. He knew those who were really uh, crying out for him. So he told his disciples, listen, don't tell anybody who I am. Don't tell anybody who I am. Amen. Now, we're going to pick up right here next time we come together. Next week, Lord willing. We're here every Monday night at this time at 7 p.m. We're going to pick up right here in verse number uh, 21. And we'll finish this chapter where we'll probably get into chapter number 17. Where we'll begin to talk about the transfiguration uh, of the Lord uh, Jesus Christ. We're moving steadily along here uh, in this particular study. Amen. So we just... Honor the Lord and bless him and thank him for all that he is doing. I want to close. I want to uh, give a word of prayer and then give you a, a little word about tomorrow night's podcast. Amen. Lord, we bless your name tonight. We thank you once again for giving us an opportunity to, to open up your word, to bless, to bless your name. Lord, we pray that you would keep your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you. Lord, there is so much that we read that we that we don't quite understand. But Lord, you has you have given us your Holy Spirit. Lord, you have given us the power of discernment. Lord, I pray that you will continue to be with us and lead us and guide us as we continue to open up your word. Lord, we could do nothing without you. Lord, keep us fixed upon you and what you have done. Lord, if it were not for the cross, Lord, we would not be able to do anything. So, Lord, keep our eyes, keep our eyes focused on the cross. Lord, we bless your name and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just shout out, shout out to those of you who are uh, with us right now. God bless you, Arigna, Mahari. God bless you, my brother. Uh, God bless you, uh, Tracy T. And all those who will be watching later on. Uh, once again, we just bless the Lord and thank the Lord for giving us this opportunity uh, to open up his word. Uh, it is just a privilege and an honor uh, to, to just uh, be able to speak his word. Amen. Now, uh, for those who... For those who have, are not aware, uh, we have written two books. Uh, one is called The Lights in the Windows, 
It's about evangelism and the need for the church to get back to evangelizing. Uh, the second just came out in August is churchified or sanctified. And we're talking about exploring the dangers of religion and the glory of relationship. Amen. These two books are available on Amazon.com. And I do believe that they will be a blessing uh, to your life. Amen. As always, we want to invite you to join us uh, throughout the week. We're here four days out of the week, beginning on Sunday morning at 1130 uh, here on Monday night. And uh, tomorrow night, uh, we have a, uh, a podcast. We're talking about tomorrow night, the top five, top five of fake views to know and avoid. And we'll be unpacking uh, the most persuasive but dangerous movements in today's church. And we'll have one dishonorable uh, mention. Amen. So we're going to be talking about uh, several uh, of the movements that are on the scene right now that that have taken the church by storm and that are gaining followers. And the reason why false teaching gains followers is because God's people... uh, are not in the word, and they are unable to discern between truth and error. That's how false teaching gets into the church. So we'll be talking about five of these uh, powerful but uh, dangerous uh, views and and movements uh, on tomorrow night. Join us here at 8 o'clock p.m. uh, if you can. Amen. That's tomorrow night. Uh, That's tomorrow night on uh, The Bible Speaks Live podcast. Amen. And on Wednesday night, we'll be here uh, with the Cutting It Right uh, Bible study. Uh, We've just concluded uh, two weeks talking about uh, the eternal state, uh, talking about the reality of of hell and the lake of fire. And on tomorrow night, we're going to turn the table, so to speak, tomorrow night and uh, uh, Wednesday night, rather, on our first principles of the Christian life, uh, we are going to talk about heaven. Amen. And just as we spoke about hell and the lake of fire, we read it, but we don't quite understand it. We read what it says about the pain and the and the torment and the fire, and, but yet it is something that our minds cannot grasp. And the same thing with heaven. We, we, we can't quite put our minds around the gloriousness of what heaven will be like. But join us on Wednesday night at 8 p.m. and we will begin talking about heaven. Amen. And on Sunday morning, Sunday morning, join us here at 11:30. If you can't catch the, uh, if you can't catch the podcast, then I know you're in church, as as I am also. Uh, you can catch the replay uh, at uh, any time of the day. But this will be live at 11:30 a.m. and our series uh, that will be concluding uh, this uh, coming Sunday morning. That good part. And we're talking about learning the value of sitting at Jesus' feet. Amen. And once again, that will be Sunday morning on the Sunday Sermon Series. Amen. So we just honor the Lord and bless him and thank him uh, for all that he is doing. Don't forget, uh, you can catch us. You can also catch all of our podcasts or any one of these podcast platforms. Uh, Spreaker.com is our main podcast platform. You go there and you will find all of the podcasts that the Lord has allowed us to be able to produce uh, over the years. There are several of them. Um, And once again, as we always do, shout out to those who do listen in from across the United States uh, and around the world. Uh, And uh, we we see you. Uh, We see you in Australia and Canada 
and Barbados and, and, and India. We see you and we thank you uh, for your support. Amen. Uh, and we pray that you'll continue to support us uh, as we continue to uh, open up the word of God. Speaking of support, once again, I want to thank all of those who do uh, support uh, this ministry uh, financially. Uh, I, I'm just amazed. I just thank the Lord uh, for all of you. Uh, if, if you if you would like to uh, support this ministry financially uh, for the upkeep of the website and, and all such things, um, we just purchased a brand new microphone here. Uh, uh, if you would like to support this uh, ministry financially, you can go to our website at that's the word.org and go to the give, give tab and uh, you'll be able to uh, do so there if you so please. This, this ministry is not about the money or anything like that, but it's there for those who have a desire to uh, support us. Amen. So we just honor the Lord and bless him. God bless you, my brother, Sam. Uh, thank you for joining us here tonight. Uh, I just want to once again thank everybody for being here. And don't forget to be with us tomorrow night if you can. Amen. If you can. We're here. Once again, you can always catch the replay. But I'll be here live. Amen. Uh, and we will see you tomorrow night, 8 o'clock. Uh, top 5 Fake Views to Know and Avoid. That's coming up tomorrow night on the Bible Speaks Live podcast. Amen. I'm Pastor Michael Jakes. We'll see you next time. May God bless you.